Somebody say, teach me your word, Lord. Amen. Well, let's do that. Let's do that. Welcome. I'm super excited for this message um, for today. God is so good. Let's pray. Let me invite you to pray, please. Holy Spirit, thank you for how you've been moving in this place this morning. Build your church, Lord. Grow your church, Lord, according to your word. Father, I pray today that the revelation of your word will become so clear to us. That, Father, that we would leave here equipped, encouraged, but knowing that we are loved by you. Father, we have personal situations that we're going through. And we thank you that we serve a God who invites us to bring those things to him. And so I pray, God, that this word will speak to those areas of our lives by your Holy Spirit. But I also pray you'll give us a corporate word. A corporate word that gives this gathering of people purpose and why we're here. Father, it is your desire that none should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. And so we thank you. And so, Father, I invite you, I welcome you to have your way this morning. I pray for clarity and for conviction. And that, Lord, your word will go forth in power. We come against every distraction. In the name of Jesus, and we give you the praise and the glory. Amen. With your Bible in your hands, please turn to the book of Romans. I'm so glad for the book of Romans. Chapter 13, Romans teaches how, as a believer, we can still be effective in this world. On Wednesdays, we're teaching lessons about the kingdom, and it is going powerfully. For those who attend our Wednesday gathering, if you haven't, Please come. We give you notes every single time. So if you haven't been, you can still come and fit right in. And we've been talking about the kingdom. And for those who are there, I'm not going to put you on the spot by give you a pop quiz. But for those that come, we talk about that there is conviction that is within you because of the word of God. If you want to be a people of conviction, you have to have the word of God inside of you. Can someone say amen to that? So your conviction is based on the word of God. But also you live in the reality of a conflicting value system because of the God of this world. And so the Bible tells in the book of Romans, then the first 12 chapters, Paul is really driving home your belief. In Romans chapter 1 for 12, he's driving home your need to believe. And how many know that pastor have shared that with you over and over and over again? It's what you believe that's so important. Then he switches now because in Romans 12, he says, Now I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How? Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, I've given you 12 chapters. I've given you 12 chapters of why you should believe. And now he shifts to behavior. He shifts to behavior. And so as we, as we look at this, the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 10 are critical if you're going to walk in this tension that we have between your convictions based on the word of God inside of you and the conflicting values on the outside by the God of this world. How do we live out the commandments of Jesus? Let me say that again. If we are people of conviction, right? Are you a person of conviction? I hope you are. 
in any relationship that you're going to try to foster or try to govern, please be a person of conviction. If you have no conviction, people walk all over you and make you a doormat. Amen, somebody. We are not called by God to be doormats for anybody. And so it's important that you understand how that works, that you got to have convictions based on the word of God, non-negotiable, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If God doesn't deliver me, I'm still not going to bow to this idol that you placed up. Come on, TGP. You've got to get to a place where the convicting, conflicting values of the world cannot change the conviction of who you are in Jesus. Ooh, I can just put this mic down and go home right there. Some things are just non-negotiable. And Paul said, I've given you 12 chapters to shape and govern how you think. And so we have to look at this because the next side is that we are dealing with people of conflicting values. But the commandment of Jesus is this, and it's the title for this morning. You have to love your neighbor. You have to love your neighbor. How do I live as a person of conviction who loves God and deal with conflicting values of other people when I'm supposed to love my neighbor? And so Romans 13, verse 8 and 10 is there for us to navigate through this tension. And so Paul writes, and he says in verse number 8, reading from the English Standard Version, he begins and he says, Oh, no man anything except to what? Love each other. For the one who loves another has what? Fulfilled the law. For the commandments, plural, you should not commit what? Adultery. You should not do what? Murder. You shouldn't do not what? Steal. You should not what? Covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Where did Paul get that from? Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, as we've been talking about this. So here it is that I mentioned to you earlier that in the New Testament, Leviticus 19, 18 is quoted more often than any other verse in the Old Testament. So shouldn't we spend time really unlocking the truth that's found in this particular text? If it is the most quoted Old Testament scripture in the Bible. Why are we trying to move ahead if we don't fully understand Leviticus 19 verse 18? And that's what we're doing because then in verse 10 of Romans 13, he says, love does no wrong to what? A neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the what? Law. It's not the law is the fulfillment of love. It is love is the fulfillment of the law. Uh, August 15th, the day after my, my birthday, in case for those of you who missed it this year, you have a whole year to, to, to repent and get back around to that um, for, for both Kathy and I. A- amen. And so, so the day after I went, and it was row time, and, and, and so I went, and, and of course I went to Express, my favorite clothing place, and, and I went to Barnes & Noble and just uh, sat there, and I loved just being around books and, and all those things, and it was great. And so I decided to go to Starbucks to get one of their refreshers, my, my youngest daughter, and uh, got one. It, it's just really paying a lot of money for colored water, um, but, but, but it looks real cool. It has strawberries in it, and it's called a refresher. I mean, you got to get a refresher. And so I got my refresher, and as I was waiting in line, um, it was almost as if God was giving me a sign from Starbucks. <laughs> I'm waiting for my refresher. 
And, and the sign came up, and, and it was in the form of a T-shirt that there was another uh, customer that was there, and he had this T-shirt on, and, and I know it wasn't the algorithm, right? It wasn't Facebook who sees what I pull up and everything else. Come on, in your feed becomes that thing, right? That's not the Holy Ghost, by the way. That's Facebook. And their algorithm, the Holy Spirit's much more kind. Come on, the Holy Spirit knows more what you need than an algorithm. And, and, and so, and so I have a Holy Ghost encounter assigned and this individual was there with his kids. And, and so I think it was maybe a last time that you can be with your kids before you have to bring them back to school, the, the greatest day of our lives, right? When they, when they get back to school. And so he's there spending, I don't know, you know, Starbucks, probably 30 bucks for four drinks, right? And so he's there, but, but I love on, on his shirt, what it had was love your neighbor. I said, Ooh, look at the Holy Ghost. Giving me my title for today's message because it wasn't in my notes. And I'm looking, the Holy Spirit says, bro, I'm directing where you're taking this message. And so look at God. I'm here to tell someone. Someone needs to be encouraged. God will communicate to you wherever you are if you're open to it. Oh, let me tell, let me, let me tell this sign right over here, right? Come on. He says, go get a refresher. I know it's a strawberry colored water, but there's someone there that put on a t-shirt early in the morning that says, come on, kids, let's go to Starbucks. Why? Because I'm sending Rowan there and I need Rowan to see the message I'm going to give to him. It says, love your neighbor. That's how God works. Because you can't read the first 12 chapters of Romans. And then get to Romans 13 where it talks about God has given governing authorities that talks about the government and how we're supposed to submit to the government, which is a conflicting values. Come on, somebody, because remember, we are a republic, but we live in a kingdom. And so there's going to be conflict between what we think, what we believe, and what the world is throwing at us. So how can we live out the commandment? That was placed on this individual shirt that God puts in front of me. Love your neighbor. And so we have to look at this. Now, I hope this is a shouting message because if you stay with me till the end, you'll see the miracle and why you should love your neighbor. You see, the first reason you should love your neighbor is because God said so. I don't have to elaborate on that. God said so. Amen, somebody. I love when someone say, God said it. I believe it. That settled it. And I heard someone says, no, God said it regardless whether you believe it. It's settled. Your obedience gets the blessing if you receive it. But God's word will not return void. It is going to accomplish everything that he said. So if God has spoken over your life, he is committed to your word more than to your character. Come on. He's committed more to his word than your character. Because if you believe his word, he'll change your character. Come on, somebody, right? Because if that was the case with David, hello, somebody. But because of his word, I'm going to put someone on the throne and no one's going to be able to remove them from that. Even when David acted like a fool, God says, my word. And so David says, I'm a man after God's own heart. I've got to get God's word to transform my heart. Because David prayed some prayers that don't line up with love your neighbor. (laughs) David prayed some prayers like, God, kill him. Strike him dead. Let them not sleep. Torment them, God. Oh, come on. You know you had those thoughts. You may not have talked that. But you've had those, 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 those thoughts. 
And so God sends his word. That's for somebody right there. That God sends his word. And he watches over his word to perform it. And God has sent his word to his church. And God's word is simply this. Love me with all, my, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, I'm watching over my word, church, to perform it. Because the church is the embassy of the kingdom. The church is the body of Christ. And so the moment you got saved, can we just take a second to give God a praise break for being saved? Come on. Come on. God's mercy saved us. My goodness. I'm so I, I just got I just got to move my toes when I, when I think about where I was. Come on. And I know I'm not where he wants me to be fully yet, but I thank God I'm not where I used to be. I thank God for that. And so looking at the scriptures, we can see that God knows that there are times when it's, it's rough. How do, I, how do I love my neighbor? How, how do I do that? I, loving God is, is challenging, but I can get that. I can get that because when I really investigate, God is really good. When I really investigate it and get my pride out of the way, God is really good. And, and I know it's good because he woke me up this morning, right? Because not everybody woke up this morning. That's the reality. But because you're awake, God, God is good. And, 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 and Minister Kevin, that is the part I wrestle with at times. But, but I land in a good place because God is good. So, so I love God. Um, it's it's the love your neighbor part that that is challenging because if they have conflicting values that challenges my conviction there are people uh, by design it seems that just want to challenge your convictions every day and, and if empowered they, they become wicked in their endeavor to cause you to fall from your conviction now, the worst ones are the ones that come in deceptive. See, 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 the enemy that comes in that you know is an enemy is one thing. But, 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 but when someone comes in that you thought was this, but it's not that, and they reveal who they are because no word is in them, how do I keep the word in me when word's not in the person who's attacking me? But Jesus doesn't really care about that. He says, love God and love your neighbor. It's a command. So why do we love our neighbors? It's simply because Jesus said so. And I can just go home. But that doesn't feel good. It might be theologically correct, but it doesn't feel good, does it? And God doesn't abandon the emotions. We're not governed by our emotions, but we do acknowledge that we're emotional. And so we want to go a little bit further into it. And, and, and so therefore, because of that, we have, to, we have to dive into this. And so the Apostle Paul recognizes that when he gives this particular command in Romans 13, verse 8 to 10, he knows the value of human relationships. He knows that. So he looks to Luke, excuse me, Leviticus chapter 19. And in Leviticus chapter 19, the Ten Commandments, if you haven't read it yet, the Ten Commandments are sprinkled throughout Leviticus 19. I had in my notes and I took it out and I'm like, Holy Spirit, what, what should I share about this? And, and so, and so I'm going to share with you something that's good for society. 
I'm going to share with you something that, that, that is really good for a society that, that should unite us as human beings, but it should embolden us as the church. Let, let me say that again. Um, what I'm about to share with you should unite us as a people, as a society, as a nation, as Americans. This should unite us, what I'm about to say. But it should also embolden us as the church even more. That a society that is healthy and that prospers and that defeats its enemy acknowledges the Ten Commandments. So we should, according to Romans 13, if the governing authorities has been issued by God, shouldn't we want the Ten Commandments to be their guide? So it shouldn't be political to say, get the Ten Commandments back over the seats of judges. It shouldn't be because if we're a pagan nation that we're trying to offend anybody. Are you with me so far? There should be something based on the word of God that should be good for society. And the issue really is it just doesn't feel good. That's what the issue really is. And if we really remove our feelings out of the way, you would recognize that the Ten Commandments are good for all healthy relationships. So if we are seeing the dysfunction of the family, if we're seeing the breakdown of marriages, if we're seeing that people can't get along together, might we try putting the Ten Commandments back up again? It just makes sense to me that in Leviticus 19, God tells the people who just came out of bondage. He says, you're going to have other nations that's coming around you. He says, here she's supposed to relate to each other. So when these other nations come on your border, they can see that Yahweh is God. And they will stop practicing their pagan pluralistic way that's destroying their families, destroying their economies. So I don't know about you, but I want our nation to prosper. Come on, somebody. That, that I, I, I want the church to prosper. And, and so if God is saying the way to do it through Leviticus 19 is to honor the Ten Commandments, right? The issue is simply this. You don't know the spirit of the law. You are being troubled by the letter of the law. And so you make it religious. And so I don't want to offend this group and offend that group. No, listen, every religion needs the Ten Commandments. Because Yahweh is God. That's what the Bible says. Come on, somebody. I said earlier, how many have conviction on the inside of you? I do. Why? Because the first 12 chapters of Roman compels me to be a person of conviction. So therefore, everything I do is connected to the Ten Commandments that are, that are foundational. And so because, write this down, the Ten Commandments are foundational. If you're taking notes, if the Ten Commandments are foundational of which Paul spent 12 chapters explaining to us the belief and now he steps into the behavior and he's saying now I've got to go back to the Ten Commandments. He's saying if the Ten Commandments are foundational for a nation, he says loving God and loving your neighbor is how you function then as a nation. So we're looking at a foundation, and then we're looking at how we function, loving our neighbors. And so he says, the reason why you should love your neighbor, and the reason why you should love God is because that's what I said. But we just don't want to live on that. And so the first thing is simply this. If you are going to love your neighbor and move from a place of feeling to a place of conviction, you have to understand this. It is the spirit of the law and not just the letter of the law that Paul is talking about. 
Because the letter of the law can still cause you to be religious and hinder people. And you're only loving people because you're religious thinking that means that you're good and doesn't necessarily mean you're good. Why? Because your goodness, my goodness is not good enough. It's not good enough. And Paul is saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, the King James, that you would what? That you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform to this conflicting values of the world system. So if you are struggling with how do I love God and love my neighbor, the first thing is this, that the Ten Commandments and all throughout Leviticus 19, the other variety of laws that he's talking about, it must be the spirit of the law and not just the letter of the law, lest I become religious. Religious. I don't know about you folks, but I'm tired of religious spirit that's handcuffing the body of Christ from truly being who we're supposed to be. If you can't function, you can't function as a, in, in a religious spirit. You got to function with the Holy Spirit. That ought to be tattooed on somebody right there. That when you came out of darkness, you came out of religion, you came out of bondage, and now you step into the Holy Spirit that leads and guides you. And so, therefore. Therefore, loving my neighbor requires me not to compromise or condemn. So it's the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law, because the letter of the law condemns them. And if I'm not living the law, which nobody can, come on somebody, right? Because if you miss one law, you're guilty of all the laws. So therefore, trying to live religious, I am going to, by my character, do what? I'm going to condemn people. He says, don't condemn anybody. Why? Because again, in Romans 8, he says, it's therefore there's no condemnation to those who are what? In Christ Jesus. Those who walk by what? The Spirit. So he's saying now, if you walk by the Spirit, there's no condemnation. So if you live by the Spirit, you're going to love people by the what? Spirit of the living God. And so if you're searching for a church, please find a church where they exalt the Holy Spirit. Please, for God's sake, make sure you're part of a church that doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit. Come on, make sure you're part of a church that doesn't quench the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to sing, and I want you to sing longer than we sing longer. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is who guides us, not a religious spirit. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Come on, say, I'm a person of the Spirit. Yes, I am. And you better tell them when you're inviting me. Listen, you're going to come to this place, but they're crazy. Because they have no agenda but the Holy Spirit. And so they're in order, but they rather the wow factor than being weird. Come on. What about being weird? Like, ooh, weird type of stuff. Talk about this wow factor. Where people walk in and all of a sudden someone's prophesying. And they're not prophesying condemning words. They're prophesying convicting words. And they're like, how did they read my email? Oh my goodness. I'm going to go against Google. How could they give them my password? But no, it's the Holy Spirit. Just like how he led me to Starbucks. The Holy Spirit wants to lead people into your life that wants to love you because they love Jesus. We're not supposed to do this thing by ourselves. Are you with me so far? We are not to do it by ourselves. So loving your neighbor requires you not to compromise your conviction or to condemn people with a religious spirit. You are to trust the Holy Spirit that he is at work in their hearts and trust that God loves them enough through Jesus Christ to finish the work he started. That is so good. 
That is so good. That we're going to love our neighbors without compromising. We see that all the time. Well, I'm loving my neighbor. No, you're compromising. I'm loving my neighbor. I'm telling them like it is. No, you're condemning. And so we have this tension that's there. And so Jesus said it, not me. Jesus said that, that to inherit eternal life, you must love God and love your neighbor. So we have to wrestle with this. So the first thing is, it's the spirit of the law and not just the letter of the law. Number two, that to love your neighbor, it says this in Romans 13, 10, that fulfilling the law through loving your neighbor. So I'm loving my neighbor, according to Romans 13, 10, because I want to fulfill the spirit of the law. And so that's why, that's the motivation, that's my why, that's my agenda, that's what I'm coming to you with. Man, we want people to be transparent, that when they come before you, they come transparent, they come vulnerable, not because they're weak, they come vulnerable because they're trusting God, who is their strength to lead and to guide them. I remember the first time I came to TGP and I start to share things and Megan's watching me and I'm sharing things out of my mouth and I'm like, I can't stop it, babe. I'm trying not to, not to be transparent. And God says, there's life here. Be transparent. Fulfill the law, bro, through, through love. Actually love people. And so what happens is because you can have this love. And so the first wristband that we ever did was love is strong. We have to let people know that love is strong, that there's nothing you can do that can remove me from loving you. Come on, somebody. There is nothing you can say. we got to get to a place where we're unoffended by people's conflicting values. Why? Because your conviction still stands. It's just their opinion, folks. It's not scripture. And if it's scripture, then it's supposed to be said in love. Are you following me so far? So if you're going to fulfill the law through loving your neighbor, you have to know the word of God. Don't try to speak into people's life without bringing the word of God. They don't have no time for it. It doesn't benefit anybody. Are you with me so far? So if somebody comes into your life and they say, hey, I want to speak into your life. Are you, are you bringing word? Or are you bringing your opinion? Because based on how I value you, I'll determine how much of that I want. So if you're going to come to me, bring the word of God. That's what I need because guess what? I'm trying to live a life of conviction. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best father I can be. I, I want to be the best pastor I can be. I, I know what's important. I want to honor God in everything that I do. And if Jesus used the word against the enemy, come on, how much more important you should use the word for, for me, not against me, but use the word of God to speak to me. Because last time I checked, I'm not the devil. You, 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 praise God. Thank you, somebody. Uh, thank you, babe. You, you know what I'm saying? And so, and so there's no one that I know is the devil. Come on. So as long as you're not the devil, you're worthy of love. No matter your opinion, no matter how wrong you are, no matter how you feel about it, you're still worthy of love. Why? Because it's the word of God. So I'm going to bring the word of God to you. We can solve so many problems if we just bring the word of God in the situation. Why do we not bring the word of God in our situation in a nation where the number one best-selling book is the Bible? It's because we really don't want to fulfill the law. Because to love you by the Spirit, I have to go 
to my next point, which is simply this. So the first thing is this, that it's the spirit of the law and not just the letter of the law. The second thing is fulfilling the law through loving your neighbor. So I'm doing this because I want to fulfill the law that Christ said that I must fulfill. And the only way I can do it is through loving my neighbor. So I'm going to do that. But the meat of this message is this, is that people are hurting and they need to be loved. People are hurting and they need to be loved. And so, and so in, in the year of, of 2019, 2020, the year from H-E double hockey stick, where we had everything going on. Come on. I, I didn't cuss religious people, right? But, but we had, we had every, every time you turn on the news, there was some conflict that was affecting the church. Some issue came up. I go, oh gosh, here it goes again. And I, God, I wish I had my hair back again, my afro, but, but, but that's gone. Because I wouldn't pull my hair out. Because what we were facing was conviction versus conflicting values. And the world in itself was having that issue. And for some reason, that nasty, ugly spirit found its way into the church. That's because it was a religious spirit that came into the church. And so this fulfillment didn't even happen. Loving my neighbor, are you out of your mind? Just tell me where you stand out. Determine where I'm going to go. No word, just my feelings, my emotions. Because if I have to apply the word of God to it, God may say, take the beam out of your own eye, my God, and stop looking at the speck in somebody else's eye. And God knows I don't want to do that. So therefore, that's what happened. But if it was truly loving our neighbors, here's what we would say to those who were truly wounded. Come on, somebody. Because there were people that the enemy and his arrow hit them hard. There were some people that COVID did come to their house. There were some people that did have to face racial things. There were some people for that. And so we have to recognize that if you are my brother, my sister, that I have to speak the word of God into you so you stay holy, but I have to recognize you're hurting. Oh God, come on. So I've got to get to the place of loving my neighbor. Say, stay holy. Stay with your conviction. Don't let the conflicting values of a world system mess us up. But I need to let you know that I know you're hurting, but stay holy. Come on, somebody. And that's the message of the church. Because if they do that, they will allow the word of God to do the work that brings the healing. And then it can get rid of all the agendas of the media and the agendas of demons and the agenda of people that don't like you anyways. That wants to see the church split and divide. There are people and spirits that don't want you to love God and love your neighbor. So, people are hurting. And so Leviticus 19 gives us an example. And he says people are hurting because they're financially being robbed of the blessing of work. People have to work, folks. There's one thing about helping people. There's nothing about, about entitling people. So, so we've got to help people enjoy the benefits of work. And so Leviticus says that they got to work. So you who, 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 who harvest your field, don't go back. Don't be greedy. Come on. 
believe God's blessing in your bounty to support you, but let the folks who are poor, not poverty, come on, because poverty will say, I'm not going to work because there's a lion out there that will kill me. That's a poverty spirit that should never enter the church. Are you with me, TGP? But being poor is different because being poor means I still have the ability to work. And so he's saying I've made provision for poor people because once they work and get the benefits and the blessings of work, they can see the creativity of God and create a business for somebody else who is poor to see if they can do it. Come on, if they can work and have the benefits of working, if I love my neighbor and I know there are people who are struggling with the ability to dream and to have vision, so the best thing I can do for my neighbor is to fulfill God's dream for my life, my God, so they can know there's a God who wants to give you a dream. I heard one person says, I have a dream. Come on, somebody. And so when we are not careful, and we allow entitlement to rob us of the blessings of work. We impoverish a nation. And Leviticus 90 says, don't do that. That's not loving your neighbor. You think it's being nice. Actually, you are emboldening people to stay in poverty. And poverty is a spirit. Being poor is different. Oh, Jesus. When he says poor in spirit, he wasn't talking about this. Oh, I don't got nothing. Listen, Mother Teresa, she had that choice. But guess what? When they buried her, she had a statewide funeral. Come on. Poor, but not poverty in spirit. Come on. That's the difference. Serving the people in Calcutta. Serving them. She was wealthy, folks. Her legacy still lives on. That's the difference. This is so good. You didn't know you can come to church and get a financial seminar. Yes. Because loving your neighbor requires that. I, I got to hurry. I didn't want to stay on that one too long, but, but I got to do that. And, and so the next one is this. People are hurting because injustice in court has tipped the balance of power. That's what Leviticus 19 talks about. In verse 15, he said, you shall not do no injustice in court. You should not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. What did he say? You should not be partial to who? The poor. Not the poverty spirit, but to the poor. He said when people come and love them, regardless of their economic situation, judge fairly. Judge righteous is what the right word is. And so people are hurting because of this. Because they're being passed over. And so we have to defend the poor. We have to also defend the abundance. What we need to do then to love your neighbor is this. Promote and practice righteousness as the balance of power when you judge your neighbor. So you want to be someone in John 7 verse 24. Do not judge by appearance because you will be deceived. But judge with right judgment. That's why a wealthy person, when they're going to buy a car, they don't dress up. They walk in a dealership looking normal. Because if they go in with clothing that looks like they got money, the dealership will rip them off. 
But because they know that you're going to judge me by appearance, okay, I'm not going to judge as if I'm wealthy. Come on, somebody. You don't know the neighbor beside you and what they got. Come on, don't let their outward appearance fool you. Because when you got a prosperous mindset, you got wisdom, you got stability, you understand how things work. Can I preach this thing? Come on. God, teach me how things work. Come on. That's the prayer. God, teach me how things work. And so we said, if you're going to judge, judge righteously. So if you're going to love your neighbor, promote and practice righteousness as a balance of power. Another one is this. People are hurting because talebearers or slanderers have been given room to ruin lives. A talebearer gets into the church. They ruin lives. Who's a talebearer? I love this definition. A talebearer is someone that is getting the secrets of every person and family and retelling it wherever they go. So they have this secret. Listen, there's some secrets you're going to take to the grave. Come on. You're not covering up sin. You're covering that person. Because if a talebearer gets room, that's why you want the Holy Ghost to fill the place. So talebearers realize you got no space to speak. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is going to shut you down. Because people's lives have been ruined because of slander, because of things that's been said. Come on, somebody. And so all of a sudden they have church hurts. And they can't love their neighbor. They love God, but they can't love their neighbor. Why? Because the church hurt. Can I trust you with my secret struggle? Not my secret sin. Write that down. Can I trust you with my secret struggle? People who are struggling with depression and suicide. And all forms of attraction, addictions. And they're afraid to share it. This is, I don't know you will love me. If I share my secret struggle. And so we have pastors struggling because they don't know if they can be transparent. And so the reality is this. We need the tail bearers to shut up. So the spirit of God can speak up. If you're going to love your neighbor, when people start doing it, you got to realize, hold one second. Hold on. If it's a sin, we're going to address that. But if it's a struggle, pray for them. If it's a struggle, pray for them. If it's a stronghold, pray it breaks down. I wish I had one person in this place. Come on. I know we have someone here who's praying and who's saying, God, we don't want to give any room to tail bears. And that's what he says in Luke 19, verse 17. He's saying, as a nation, you got to close their mouth. Tail bears. So what do you do? Stand up to false witness that threatens the life of your neighbor. You're a false witness. If you weren't there, you didn't see it. You're a false witness. And so we have to worry about that. I'm like, God, help us. Help us. Uh, number four, and I got to hurt because this is the me of the message. Watch this now. People are hurting because hate from the heart has blocked God's love from flowing. Leviticus 19.17, he says it. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. I love this one. This is for all the people that have been wondering, are you telling me, Pastor Roe, that I must tolerate sin to love my neighbor? No, because this text tells you right here, I'm not saying that whatsoever. I'm saying I'm preparing you so you can speak to sin, not tolerate sin. And so he says this, watch us now. He says, the law says do not kill, but you can hate all you want. Jesus says, I don't know where you got that from, because to hate is to kill. Oh. Mm. 
come on. And when you listen to some of the verbiage, we look at some of the things that's taken on, on on the internet. I'm like, believers, you all hate from your heart. But Sunday morning, thine is the kingdom. Can I teach this thing? No, come on. You got to keep your heart. What you're upset with is sin. Hate sin. Not the sinner. Hate sin. And ask God to do the work in your brother. Hate sin, yes. Call out sin where you see it. But ask God to do a great work in you. Hate from the heart has blocked God's love from flowing. Wow. So what are you supposed to do? I love this part. It says confront people in love to call out the destructive sin before it gets rooted in your life and theirs. So what he's saying in a group like this, what he's saying is this. If we're going to do life together, right? Here's what he's saying. If we're going to do life together and I'm recognizing I don't have hate in my heart, but I see a destructive sin. Sin means missing God's mark for your life. The glory that God has for you. If I see that you're not walking in your fulfillment, in your purpose, he's saying confront that person in love. Why? So therefore you can destroy that destructive sin that wants to take root inside their heart. People, if you love me, don't let a root of bitterness come on, come inside of me, right? You want to pull that thing out. You just want to cut off the top. You want to pull the root of that thing out. And he's saying, get rid of sin. Sin is destructive, people. Sin is what caused Jesus to go to the cross. Sin is not your friend. Sin doesn't, come on, it, I know it may be a pleasure for a minute, but sin will always destroy you. And I know the only way society can make you sin is by making it look pleasurable. And so the question becomes, what is a personal sin versus a corporate sin versus a national sin? Isn't that the struggle we have? Well, this is private and this is public. And what I do in private You shouldn't be able to speak about it in public. And so what we have is officials then who are elected into office. And whoever has the most money can elevate. If I don't like what you're saying about my private life, I'll pay for someone to publicly denounce. And that's why we need the Ten Commandments because the person who is public can hear what you say in private and can say no money can pay me off. Come on. To cause a conviction that is going to be better for you. Oh, my God. That you elected me to make sure you're not destructive in your own life and in people around you. Oh, my God. And so, therefore, we need to be people of conviction because people would try to buy you off and have an itching ears and say, hey, can you just fulfill the desire in me? Sin is destructive, people, and it doesn't take a major, major understanding if we can line this place up with people and say, sin destroyed my life. I wish I had someone who would have corrected me. I wish I had someone that would have told me how things were. I wish you would have told me the truth. You are afraid of me? Are you serious? You would rather me have a destructive mind and continue the cycle of destruction in my life and continue to hurt because you're afraid I'm going to hurt your feelings? You don't know how to love. Because to love me means I can look at you and see there's no hate in your heart. 
that all you have in your heart is the word of God and you just want to see me prosper. If you don't mind and, and you're this bold, uh, just tell your neighbor beside you, uh, I'm for you, not against you. Come on, come on, just tell your neighbor, I'm, I'm, I'm for you, I'm not against you. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I- I'm for you. I want to see you grow. I want to see you prosper. I want to see you success. Come on. You should be talking louder than I'm preaching. Come on. I want to see you prosper. I want to see you successful. I want to see your business increase. Come on, people. Listen, business owners in this church, I pray for you, man, because I need your business to prosper. Come on. Because there's people who need employment. Hallelujah. And they need to trust that you are a good entrepreneur. So I pray your success. God knows Mary needs it. Amen, somebody. Watch this now. Hold on. People are hurting because hurt people are hurting people. And so it says Leviticus 19, 18. Do not hurt someone who hurts you. Seriously, God? But it's called payback. No. That's my final point. It pays to love your neighbor. It's not payback. It pays to love your neighbor. Do not hurt someone who hurts you. But what they did was deep. I know. But you can't do that. Because it pays to love your neighbor. Someone say it pays to love your neighbor. I'm going to share with you a miracle in the Bible. of Everything I've just taught you right now in loving your neighbor. I said, why? Because God commanded us. And I, hopefully, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was able to take you on a journey, the meat of the message, where I gave you at least five things about loving your neighbor because they're hurting to get to this one point right here. Fasten your seatbelt because we serve a God of miracles. Can someone say amen? When I saw this, I was like, look at, look at here. He says now. I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 3. My last point is this. Someone say there's a miracle in my house. It pays to love your neighbor. Oh, my God. Some of you right now, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. The old TDJs. Get ready, get ready, get ready. When I saw this, I'm like, God, I got to drop this thing in TGP. I mean, this thing resonated just like that Starbucks guy with the sign, love your neighbor. Second Kings chapter four, verse three. Can we get on there? So if you've never read second Kings chapter four, you want to read it from the beginning, especially you ladies. But families, you want to read this. Can we just go to verse one? I want to give them context for this. And I know I've got to. Someone say there's a miracle in your house. Yeah, there's a miracle. There's a miracle in your house. Oh, God is healing my back. Come on, somebody. Amen. Ah, Jesus. I'm speaking in tongues for some of y'all. It's biblical. Um, now, the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elijah. Your servant, my husband, is dead. Unexpected. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditors have come to take my two children to be his slaves. Who's hurting right now? She's grieving the loss of her husband, and she's now grieving the loss of her children's being taken. She's hurting. Unexpected. This was a prophet of God. Who she said to Elijah, the prophet. Says, this is my condition I'm in right now. 
And Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? Ooh, come on. And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Preacher, how in the world, Pastor Roe, what does that have to do with love your neighbor? Everything. It has everything to do with what God wants to do. Someone say there's a miracle in my house. Now, this anointed oil wasn't oil for cooking, as some translators and commentaries say. It was the anointing that they would use to anoint people, set them apart as holy. The prophet said, what's in your house? I'm asking you a question right now. If you're hurting, the question is, what's in your house? He asked a question, a specific question. And God is asking you a specific question. What is in your heart? Come on. What is in your house? She's hurting. And he asked the question, what do you have? And she could have said, how cruel of you to ask me that. You didn't ask how I'm doing. He says, there's a miracle in your house. Next verse. Then he said, go outside. Borrow vessels from who? Come on. Mm. Holy Spirit, give it to them like you gave it to me. Go outside. Borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Empty vessels and not a few. Oh, my God. Come on. You better break that poverty spirit. I know you're grieving, but you better break that. Oh, my God. Because what the prophet left to you, oh, my God, is more important than what he left for you. I better say that again. What you leave for your kids is more important than what you leave for them is what you leave in them. Ooh, come on. You don't bring them to church. You tell them that they are the church. Because they'll judge church because they came to church and not judge themselves because they are the church. Oh, I'm preaching this thing real good. You better tell them, listen, if you come from my house, what I leave in you is more important than what I leave for you. And the critters had every legal right. The letter of the law said that every right to take her kids. And he goes and says, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Next one. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these what? Vessels. Where did she get the vessels from? From who? Not from God. She got a word from God, but she got the vessels from her neighbors. Why didn't God just provide the miracle without having to bother her neighbors? Because the doors that she would go to would look and say, did you love me? Come on. (laughs) Now that you're in need, now you're loving me? Did you love me when you weren't in need? Oh, this is so good. And how awkward it is. Hey, can I borrow an empty vessel? I don't need your money. I got a word. Can I borrow your vessels? Oh, my God. I don't need your tithes and offering. Well, we do. But I don't need your tithes and offering. 
I just need an empty vessel. Ooh, come on. Come on, come on, come on. I just need an empty vessel. I'm broken. I still need you. Come on. I still need you. Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on. I'm broken. Why would you want me? I'm empty. You're exactly what I want because I got something in my house. Because I got a word in my heart. You better write that down right there. My God. I got something in my house because I got something in my heart. God of mercy. I love God. God has given the church a word. God has given TGP a word. There is life here. And as long as empty vessels come into this house, we're going to pour. We're not going to judge the color of your skin. We're not going to judge your economic situation. We're going to say, are you empty? Because we're ready to pour, baby. We're ready to pour. Why? Because if you come into this house, we have a word from God. We got a word in my heart and a miracle in the house. God, give it to him like you gave it to me. My God, God, give it to him like you gave it to me. This is a prophetic word that God has said. I know it's been a hard number of years, but I'm telling you right now, don't let hate get into your heart. Get a word. Get the conviction of the Holy Ghost and love your neighbors. I said, God, you could have done the miracle like you did send manna from heaven. Yeah, but that wouldn't fulfill loving your neighbor. Look what he says. Shut yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. I told you last Sunday when I preached last, I said the remedy is creativity. And so God is saying that he's bringing financial miracles to this place. Because it's impossible to love God and love your neighbor and not walk in the flow of the anointing of God for your life because you're fulfilling what Jesus said. Not because he commanded you, but it pays to love your neighbor. I got four minutes before, before this thing released. Come on, come on, come on. Get this thing. Get it. Get it like it's in me. Holy Spirit. Then he goes on and says, let's look at it. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. What did she do? She obeyed. Cling, cling, cling. Obedience is a kingdom word. Can you imagine her sons knocking on this door? Hey, Fred. Hey, Johnny, what you need? Mom said to get an empty vessel. Sorry, I heard, I heard about your dad, and I heard that the creditors are coming for you. Oops, sorry. You probably shouldn't have taken out that loan. What I need is empty vessels, not empty promises. Ooh, come on. I don't want to go back to the next door. Look what this one did. Oh, I got a word that's bigger than whatever the critics will say. Next door. Hey, can I borrow an empty vessel? Oh, my God. Come on. Keep on knocking. Can I get an empty vessel? What do you want with this vessel? I don't know. I just got a word. And the prophet said, get empty vessels and don't get a few. So my dad was good to you. Yes, my dad. Yes, my dad. Yes, my dad. Yes, he was good to you. And you may say, but I don't have an earthly father that's been good to me. You have a heavenly father that's been real good to you. And so that's the word because this father naturally was dead. So they were relying on the prophetic word from God. And so God's word was greater than their father word because their dad left something in them more than left something to them. For those of us who sent our kids off to college, it's weird going home and seeing an empty room. 
It's weird. It's hard. Look at a phone call every night. But I have to trust that what God put in her. Come on, somebody. Is that where she is? They're pouring oil because she's an empty vessel. She went in from him and shut the door behind herself, her and her sons. And she poured. And as she poured, they brought vessels to her. So she's like this. And she's pouring. And it's full. And they remove it. And they bring another one. And they remove it. Another one. Keep loving your neighbors. Come on. Keep loving your neighbors, church. You want the Holy Ghost to be in your church? Come on, keep loving your neighbors. You want the Holy Ghost to be in your house? Keep loving your neighbors. You want to see a miracle of debt cancellation? Keep loving your neighbors. Do you want to see God pay off your mortgage? Come on, keep loving your neighbors. Do you want to see God heal the sick? Keep loving your neighbors. Do you want to see God open the blind eyes? Keep loving your neighbors. If you want to see God do a great work in this nation, keep loving your neighbors. Come on, it's keep loving your neighbor. And as long, as long as they kept bringing an empty vessel, as long as they kept bringing an empty vessel, she kept pouring, but then finally, that's what it says now. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. Perhaps the reason why the Holy Spirit has written Ichabod in some churches, which means God has departed from this place, is because we stop loving our neighbors. The greatest revival will be amongst people who love God and love their neighbors. Are you a broken vessel this morning? I want to let you know that you're usable for the kingdom of God. Because in this house, we never want the oil to stop flowing. Oh, God. Come on, leadership. Come on, council. We never want the oil to stop flowing in this house. We want marriages restored. We want families restored. We want people to walk in freedom. We are the testimony of God paying off a mortgage. Oil flow, my God. Let the oil flow. Are you with me, church? So why do you love your neighbor, TGP? Why is there life here? Because it pays to love your neighbor. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Someone in your row might be hurting, but they're afraid because they really don't know if you still love them if they tell you their secret struggles. We have people who are searching all forms of religion because they they came to, uh, to a place and the oil stopped flowing. They don't preach holiness anymore. They don't preach conviction anymore. But I go to another place and they're compromising. They're not telling me the truth. They're catering to my appetite and not to the anointing of God. If you're a broken vessel, right where you are, I pass my time, but right where you are, I want you to know the Holy Spirit's flowing right now. Church, can, can, can we just give another five minutes? Because the Holy Spirit is moving. He's moving right now. He's moving right now. Come on. Come on. He's moving right now. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. Come on. Oil flow. Let the oil flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let the oil flow. 
Let the healing oil flow. I was praying for someone earlier today. And I said, God, fresh oil, fresh oil. I won't say their name, but I was praying. I said, fresh oil. Fresh oil be poured over them. Healing oil. See, when we get to the prodigal, excuse me, when we get to the parable of the Good Samaritan, what did he pour out in the wounds? Oil, come on. He says, the oil is the flowing, my God. Hallelujah. And I'm going to pour the oil that brings healing into your life right now in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I thank you. TGP, there are people right in your row that need the oil to continue to flow. Flow, Holy Spirit. 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 Right where you are, right where you are, I want you, I want you right where you are to say, Jesus, I'm an empty vessel. Say, Jesus. I'm an empty vessel. I'm broken, but I'm empty. I'm broken, but I'm empty. It's not broken as this victim. It's broken because Jesus, I need you to fill me up. To fill me up. Fill me up. Yes. 